0: You are on the line, live on ESPN 1067 in Auburn and Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga, online on Fox Sports, 983.com and ESPNAU.com. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502.
1: You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports, Central Alabama. Jacob Goins with you on the Tuesday edition of the show. Hour number one officially underway right here on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports, Central Alabama on 98.3 up through Birmingham and Sylacauga. Happy Tuesday to everybody out there. Hope you're doing well. Whether you're in the Auburn Opelika area, Birmingham and Sylacauga, across the state of Alabama and across the country. Hope you're all doing well. Gorgeous day here in Auburn and Opelika. Sun is shining. Uh, From what I can see, there's not any clouds. I've pretty much been inside all day, so unfortunately have not been able to enjoy the weather but I hope you are as it is a beautiful day here in the Auburn Opelika area got a great show on tap for you today so strap in and uh, it's going to be a good one you can call in be a part of the show you can call in be a part of the show and say what's on your mind talk to me about anything you want to talk about related to sports I'd love to hear from you give me a call 334-321-1390 3, 3, 3, 1, or toll free at 888-382-7502. Anything that's on your mind in the sports world, you can give me a call. That's the number to put you through to me. 334-321-1390 3, 3, 3, 1, or toll free at 888-382-7502. Let's jump right into it. We are 109 days away from the college football season from September 3rd, 109 days. And again, we're getting closer and closer by the day, obviously, and it's going to go by quick. I've got a phone call. Let's head to the phone lines. Let me get that. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening to On The Line. Please stay tuned as we take this phone call. You may get involved as well. Call 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Thanks for listening to On The Line. Please stay tuned as we take this phone call. You may get involved as well. Call 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Let's head to the phone lines. 334-321-1390. Gary on line one. Welcome in.
2: Hey, how are you doing today? I'm great. How are you? What I was calling about was the Sunday, the ruling of the, uh, the, the baseball game Sunday with Tennessee and Auburn. Uh, with what they've done, they possibly could have knocked 10 i mean, uh, Alabama, excuse me, Alabama—out of uh, even being in to get into the NCAA or even the SEC uh, tournament. With with that, yeah, and they also yeah, Auburn in a a spot where they could knock them out of winning the West.
1: Yeah, it definitely hurt both teams. Um, you know, obviously, you want to be able to see the game played, but that's really just one of those situations where you know what what do you do, right? You know, it, it's not a great rule that they can't start after seven o'clock. And you know, we talked to Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network yesterday, and he said. I mean, Tuscaloosa is a three-hour drive from Auburn. They're in the same state. Why not finish that game out? So, you know, I, I understand that the rule is in place and you have to follow the rule, but I don't necessarily agree, especially at this point in the season.
2: Well, uh, you, you would think, I, you would think, knowing, I, I know the referees do not know their position in the SEC or the NCAA or that kind of thing. They're calling one game. But, uh, but you, you would think the AD director could have stopped or possibly went by and say, okay, this is what we've got, what can we do? Uh, I don't know who, who makes that ruling. Is it all the officials, or is it coaches and officials, AD directors and officials? I don't know how that works.
1: Yeah, it, my guess it's going to be the umpires and the officials. They're going to be the ones that make the call. Um, I, I mean... If you asked both of the head coaches, they probably would have said, let's play on. Uh, But, you know, with lightning in the area, they obviously want to take safety first. Was the storm, you know, was it going to be an effective thing? You know, there's so many ifs, you know, what if questions. But, no, I I would assume it would be the umpires. They were the ones that made the the decision. And then the ruling of you can't restart the game after 7 o'clock that was the ruling, you know, being on a Sunday evening and, you know, okay. so many other things going on too. And, you know, you couldn't reschedule it or wait till Monday because Auburn has a game tonight and Hoover, I'm sure Alabama has a game tonight as well. So there was so many factors going into it. If it would have been a Friday or a Saturday, yeah, you probably could have tagged it on to the next day, but being Sunday night and with everything going on, it was just really tough. But again, it's a crappy situation because it really does hurt both teams, Alabama and Auburn. All
2: right. Well, I I just thought about it today, and I thought about, well, maybe – I don't know what they could have done, but obviously they've done what they had to do. So I appreciate the call, man, all right?
1: Yep, appreciate you calling in. Thank you for calling in. We appreciate that. And, look, you know, talking about that a little bit more, I think they did everything they could. You would have liked to have seen them continue, but, again, the rule was the rule, and – you can't go against the rule that the umpires have to do what they got to do. They got to follow the rules. And again, if it would have been a Friday or a Saturday game and that had happened, yeah, you probably could have found a way to either stay there later, you know, pick back up tomorrow, something like that. But with it being Sunday night, the end of the series, and both teams having midweek games, that's probably why that rule is in place. Doesn't matter if you're in the same state or not, because what if it was Texas A&M? What if it was Missouri who has to go and get on a plane and fly all the way home? So there's different ways to look at it, and again, there's a lot of what if questions of, well, what if this happened, or what if they did this, or what if they did it this way? You know that you can say that for for a long time with the situation of Auburn baseball. Against Alabama on Sunday when the rain came in and they canceled the game, as a, or they called it a no contest because of the lightning in the area. And it really does hurt both teams because Alabama's looking for ways to pick up wins to try to get themselves to Hoover and, and, and salvage a season. And Auburn, as you all know, they are trying to pick up wins to not only get a top four seed in Hoover, they're trying to host a regional. And so Auburn needs the wins where they can get them. And as it stood on Sunday in the fifth inning, it was a 1-1 ball game. Bases were loaded, and Auburn was batting and had a really good chance with some momentum on their side to try and score some runs. Now, I talked about this yesterday. Just because that was the situation doesn't mean it was a guarantee that Auburn was going to win. Auburn may not have gotten in any of those runs. They may have gotten in one, two, three, or 4, but they may have blown it. Throughout the rest of the game, you never really know. But you would have liked to have seen Auburn get the chance to go out and win that win that baseball game. You would want to see that. But again, it's again, it sucks. It's a horrible situation because you wanted to see that game played out because that result really did matter. But it was a weather situation. The rules are the rules, and you got to follow it, and you got to do it the rule says. And so. At this point, if you're Auburn baseball, you've got a game against Sanford tonight, and you've got a series against Kentucky at Kentucky this weekend. That's got to be your focus. You can't worry about the game that could have been on Sunday evening at Plainsman Park against Alabama. Yeah, you wish you could have played it. Yeah, you wish you could have gotten the result, but you can't, you can't stress it too much. You can't worry about it because there's nothing you could have done. There's nothing you could have done or the coaches or anything. I think that's strictly up to uh, the umpires and uh, officials, and that's that. I mean, that's just the situation. So, again, you would want to have – you know, you want to see that game played out, but it's just one of those things. You play an outside game, it's going to happen sometimes, especially in the spring in the state of Alabama. It's going to happen sometimes, and you just got to – You just got to shrug it off and move on and do what you can do with the rest of your schedule if you're Auburn baseball. We appreciate the call. You can call in, be a part of the show as well, 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. And as I was mentioning uh, before the phone call, we're 109 days away from September 3rd. I'm going to give you the countdown every day. We're going to keep up with it right here on On the Line because... We end closer and closer day by day, and it's going to be here before we know. it. I'm so excited. I know you are as well for the college football season uh, and Auburn kicking off the fall and trying to see what we're going to see. <laughs> I mean, literally, what are we going to see when Auburn kicks off in 109 days on September 3rd? We're going to talk about it from here on out until that day comes, so 109 days from September 3rd. But the question I have for you right now is – with the news of Craig McDonald coming through the transfer portal for Auburn, has Auburn been successful? Has Auburn football, I should say, has Auburn football been successful in the transfer portal in your mind? I think there's a couple of ways to look at this. Look at the players that Auburn has brought in through the transfer portal so far. Okay, You look at those players. What could, have, what could, you know, what could Auburn have done differently in the transfer portal? How can Auburn still be successful in the future using the transfer portal? Because it's still going to be around. You can't live in it, but you've got to be able to use it effectively. So how can Auburn still be successful in the future? And then ultimately, what makes Auburn a destination spot for transfers? Why should players come to Auburn? Those are the things we're going to kind of look at talking about this situation. Has Auburn football been successful in the transfer portal in your mind? I think so. I think so, because look at some of the players that Auburn football has brought in uh, over the past few months. Obviously, the big one is Zach Calzada from Texas A&M. He's a big-time transfer portal guy. He came into Auburn, and he's fighting to be your starting quarterback right now. I think he will be your starting quarterback day one. 109 days from now, I think Zach Calzada jogs on the field for the first offensive snap. So he's a big-time transfer who has that experience that we talk about so much. He has those snaps. He has wins under his belt, folks. He's a big-time transfer. You have Jason Jones, the defensive lineman, who came in back in December. He's a big-time commit and a big-time transfer to add to that already stacked defense that Auburn has. Auburn's defense will be the strength of this team. I think so. I think they'll be the strength. So there's another guy. And then you also see DeZalen Worsham, the wide receiver from the University of Miami, from the U, right? You guys wanted a wide receiver. Auburn fans have talked about wanting a wide receiver out of the transfer portal. There he is. Is he a five-star best thing we've ever seen? No. But he can be. He can be. This is one of those, another one of those players that is a development-type player. He's not just a a blow-you-away superstar right now, but he's got some talent that you can develop and mold into into the player that you want him to be. That's what DeZalen Worsham can be, the wide receiver from Miami. So there's another big pickup for Auburn. And then, of course, the most recent one, Craig McDonald, the safety from Iowa State. He's a good player. He's got experience. He has Division I Power Five college football experience. He's going to be second or third string safety. But they're going to call on his name. They're going to call on him. They expect him to be ready in 109 days. Is he going to be a starter? No. But they are going to expect him to be ready to go. When they call his name, they want him on the field and making plays. That's what you get when you come to Auburn. But Auburn also has to make sure he's ready. That's not all on him. That's on Auburn and the coaching staff. But when you look at those players, those are just the most recent ones. They all have immediate eligibility, okay? So they're all going to be able to play. And I think those are some good names that Auburn has pulled so far from the portal. If you ask me, I think those are good names. And I think they're all going to have their own way of impact. Worsham may not get a ton of minutes this year, but more down the road. Craig McDonald, he'll get minutes, more minutes as the season goes on. Jason Jones, I think he'll get some solid reps. But then Zach Calzada, he's going to be your starting quarterback. Zach Calzada will be your starting quarterback day one. That's my prediction. I think he will be. So that's, that's as big of an impact player as you can get when you get a guy from the portal and he comes in and starts day one at the quarterback position. That's as big as it gets, guys. So has Auburn been successful? Just by looking at the players, sure. I would say so. Now, what could Auburn have done differently in the portal? Well, maybe go after some more positions and some other positions, right? Yes, they still have that wide receiver that they got from Miami, but there's no doubt that the wide receiver room and the offensive lineman are the two positions that Auburn fans wanted to see Auburn football go after. Now, it's easier said than done. It's, easier to sit, or it's easy to sit here and say, well, You need to go find an offensive lineman in the portal and bring him to Auburn, right? It's easy to say that, but you've got to be able to do it. You've got to find a good one. You've got to reach out. You gotta make him come you gotta get him on campus. You've gotta talk to him, convince him that Auburn is where he needs to be. And then he's ultimately he has to choose Auburn. So it's hard to do that with so many other schools that offensive linemen have benefited better from. Alabama, Georgia, those types of schools, just in the SEC, just in the SEC. If you're an offensive lineman and one of those two schools comes a-knocking, see ya, he's gone. You're, I mean, you go to one of those schools. If you have the goal of being an offensive lineman in the NFL, you go to one of those schools right now. Right now. Can Auburn get to that point? I don't know. With offensive linemen, I'm not sure. That's a tough, that's a tough ask. Okay, that's a tough ask. It's not like Auburn has had just, uh, just killer offensive lines over the years. Okay, they've had some good guys come through, there's no doubt. But Auburn has never had that type of reputation, kind of like what Alabama and Georgia have right now. Alabama's down this year. They were last year. I think they will be this year. But when you talk about what Auburn could have done differently in the transfer portal, yeah, I, I think wide receiver and offensive lineman, if you want to get nitpicky about it, and say, well, we would have loved to have seen more wide receivers get brought in to an, unex- to an inexperienced room. Sure. I-, I feel that. That's understandable. But, there's only so much that Auburn can do right now. There's only so much Brian Harson and Auburn can do. This is his second... He's going into his second year. He's coming off a losing season. He's coming out of an offseason that was not pretty, and... How much can you sell Auburn right now? What do you really have to offer besides your word? Not a whole lot. And so Auburn can only do so much. Auburn can only sell so much, but you have to continue to do so. You have to continue to do so, and not just right now, but also in the future. So how can Auburn be successful in the future? It comes down to one thing. You know what it is. It comes down to wins. You've got to win. If you can win, that speaks louder than anything else. It speaks louder than anything. Because if you can win and produce good players while doing so, you're going to be able to get anybody you want. But if you're winning, that means you have good players. And a lot of the guys that are on this team or that are coming in to Auburn, they're good, but they're not great. But Auburn can start producing great players and getting wins at the same time that's how you get guys out of the portal that is how you go and get the guys that you need that's how you can be picky in the transfer portal and say yeah we want this guy this guy and that guy instead of hey whoever wants to come to Auburn come on because we'll take whoever that's going to be the difference that's what Auburn has to get to but they're not there right now and they they can't expect to be this is only year two This is only year two, and they really don't have a whole lot to offer. Let's finish this conversation on the other side of the break. What makes Auburn a destination spot for transfers? We'll talk about that on the other side of this break. You're listening to the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins with you on the Tuesday edition of the show. Continuing on with the conversation, has Auburn football been successful in the transfer portal this offseason? What do you think? 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Has Auburn been successful? Have they gotten the guys that have made you think, "Yeah, they're going to be good players here," or has it been more of, "Well, I guess he's okay, but we really would have seen or white like to have seen this." What do you think? I'd love to hear from you. Call in, be a part of the show. 334 321 1390. And continuing on with what I was talking about before we went to the break. The real question is, what makes Auburn a destination spot for transfers? Why should a guy, why should a player who is in the transfer portal, and this really goes for high school recruits as well. At this point in the Brian Harson era, where a year in, right, going into year two, what does Brian Harson really have to sell? We kind of talked about this a little bit in the previous segment. What does he have to sell? Not a whole lot right now. Not a whole lot right now. Coming off a losing season, coming out of a, a miserable offseason of slander and, and all of that that went down, right? All of that. What does Auburn and Brian Harson have to offer? Well, you've got your word. You've got your coaching staff. You've got your new football facility. And you've got the atmosphere and the family that is the Auburn family. That's what you have to offer right now, and at this point, you have to get guys to buy in and trust you and believe in you, and one way that I would go about that is I would point to the aftermath of all of the craziness that went down in February. Remember when a bunch of guys—remember when the team was split almost 50-50? Half the guys said, yeah— I don't want to be here, I don't like this situation, I don't like how he coaches, I don't like you know, whatever it may be, and they left. But then the guys that stayed, they said, this guy's doing it the right way, he's here to win, he makes you work, but you're going to earn it, and good things are going to come of it. If I'm Brian Harson, I point to that. I would point to that. When I'm going after guys in the portal, or going after high school recruits, I would say, look, if this is the style of football that you want to play, look at the guys that are on my team right now. They all want to be here. Go talk to one of them and let them tell you why you should be here. They stayed through thick and thin, and now we're on the up and coming. That's one way Auburn could sell Auburn and make it a place and a destination spot for transfer portal players. But at the end of the day, there's three things that you have to be able to guarantee to get a commit from a recruit and get a commit from a transfer portal guy, you've got to guarantee wins, you've got to guarantee championships, and you've got to guarantee development. If you can give those three things, you're going to do really well. Look at Alabama, look at Georgia, look at Ohio State, look at Clemson. That's why they get the best of the best. They do those three things they win, they also win championships. And they develop guys and put them in the league? Now, I know it's only one year in. But if Auburn can slowly start doing that, Auburn will be a destination spot. And I think it can get there. I think it can get there. I think it can. I really, really do. But it's got to start this year, right? It has to start this year. And so when you look at the guys that Auburn has added through the portal, Calzada, DeZalin Worship, Craig McDonald, these are guys that are going to have to help Auburn become successful right now. And that's a lot of pressure to put on some of these guys. And the guys that are on the team right now, they have to win this year. They know that. You know that. I know that. Everybody knows that. But that's why the portal is so hard because what can Brian Harson sell? His word. And that's about it. He can sell his word right now. That's what he's sold to the guys who are already on the team, and that's what he's having to sell to the guys in the portal too. So has Auburn been successful in the transfer portal? I think they have been, yes. Auburn has been successful in the transfer portal, but maybe not to everybody's liking. Right? Maybe not to everybody's liking. I'm sure some of you out there say, look, yeah, we've gotten some decent players, but... I would, have, I would have liked to have seen it been better, right? I'm sure some of you think that, and that's totally fine. But I think Auburn has done a good job in the portal given the circumstances, given what the situation is of the program, given what the circumstances are coming out of a crazy offseason. I think Auburn's done just fine. I think they've done well. They found a QB in there. Auburn's got their starting quarterback. Auburn has a guy at safety that's going to get some valuable reps, some valuable minutes. Auburn has a guy at wide receiver that may not be a real impact player this year but can be developed and might become pretty darn good. I think Auburn has done great in the transfer portal given the circumstances because how could they have done better? How could Auburn have done better in the transfer portal given the situation? That's what you have to remember. That's what you have to remember is this isn't Alabama and Nick Saban hitting the transfer portal. This is Brian Harson and Auburn right now. After just one year, you have nothing to offer, really. But you have to convince people this is the place you want to be. And I think he's done pretty well. That's a hard ask. That's a hard task to do. Think about having to do that right now. Could you, could you sell Auburn to a kid right now in the portal? What would your reasoning be to say, hey, this is why you should come to Auburn. Think about it that way. That's tough. I'm thinking about it right now. That's tough. I would sell the football facility. I would sell my coaching staff. And I would sell the players that are still on this team. And then I would say, here's what I'm going to get you in the future. I'm going to get you wins. I'm going to get you championships. And I'm going to develop you and try to send you to the league. That's it. That's all you can do right now if you're Brian Hartson and Auburn. So have they been successful at that? I think so. I think they have. Maybe not to everybody's liking, but I think they've been pretty successful when it comes to what they've had to do and who they've got. Because I think they've gotten some really good players out of the portal. I really do. I really think they've gotten some good players. Are they just jump off the page, guys? Not yet. Not yet. I think they can be. And again... You've got your starting quarterback in there. Zach Calzada is going to be your starter. And that's successful if you ask me. I think Auburn's done just fine in the transfer portal. What do you think? I want to hear from you. Zach Blackerby of Locked On Auburn and Auburn Daily. He's going to join us to talk about this some more. Stay tuned. He'll be on right after this. Welcome back into On The Line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins with you on the Tuesday edition of the show. 30 minutes into hour number one here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 up through Birmingham and Sylacauga. Hope you're all doing well on this Tuesday afternoon. Let's welcome in Zach Blackerby of Locked On Auburn and also with Auburn Daily, Zach, Talking about the transfer portal and Auburn football, of course, they add the Iowa State transfer, Craig McDonald. What was your reactions to his commitment to Auburn this week? Man,
3: Jacob, the more I look at this Craig McDonald kid, the more I really, really like him. I think he can do a lot of things really well. Uh, I I think he's ranging. I think he can cover a lot of ground, kind of like what you think he's going to be used for to fill that Smoke Monday role from a season ago. Um, He'll hit you. He's decent in pass coverage. Not great. Definitely had some holes and some inconsistencies there, especially in the bowl game against Clemson. But there's a lot, a lot to like about this guy.
1: And, you know, is this a a guy where you think he may be used more in the run game from the backfield? Or maybe if he develops into more of a pass defense type of player? What do you think?
3: I I think he can do both. I think he's a full safety. We saw him do it at Iowa State, and he played – over 400 snaps last year, over 40 tackles. I mean, the guy's a player. The guy can do it all, um, including, you know, a, a big pick against Oklahoma there. And so I I think he can do both. He's got the skill set. Now, how much of it's between the ears and how much of it does he have to learn with the new defense coming in? But, you know, Iowa State plays defense. I mean, they're not going to get guys that – um that are, you know, slouches by any stretch of the imagination. So, I mean, he's got that Brian Harson mindset, that culture. I could see why he went from Iowa State to Auburn. It makes sense, similar cultures there. So, um, no, I, I don't think this is just, uh, you know, a, a run stopper. I, I think this guy's a full fledged safety, and I think he'll compete for it this year.
1: Talking to Zach Blackerby of Locked On Auburn and Auburn Daily. I don't expect him to be a day one starter, but I do expect his minutes to increase as the year goes on. What does he need to do to make that happen?
3: I think he just needs to come in and be comfortable. I think over time he's going to win more and more reps and get more and more snaps in games. But look, this safety battle w- was not finished um, in spring. Maybe Zion Puckett won one of the jobs. I think we all kind of expected that going into it. But you know who's going to be that other one? Did Kayla Bridges win it? I don't. I don't think so. So there's still plenty of question marks about who that other safety could be. And look, some people listening are like, well, Donovan Kaufman's a starter. Yes, absolutely. When Auburn's in base, I think those will be the two starting safeties. But a lot of the time, Auburn's going to run nickel, and I think they're going to move Kaufman um, from one of those safety spots to nickel. We saw Kaufman play nickel last year as well. So you still need that third starting defensive back. And when you look at what you know, what McDonald can do and what kind of impact he can have, I think he could do better than what Biberius Knighton did a year ago. And when you kind of think about, like, well, Knighton wasn't a bad player for Auburn last year, a little bit inconsistent. Um, I don't know, man. I, I really think the sky's the limit for this kid. I, I think he's going to be a really, really good fit.
1: And, Zach, when you look at the two most recent commitments out of the transfer portal for Auburn football, Craig McDonald, of course, the safety we're talking about from Iowa State, and then DeZayla Worsham, the wide receiver from Miami, mm-hmm. how would you grade these two pickups from Auburn in the transfer portal, uh, their most recent pickups? What would be the grade you would give that and why?
3: So I think uh, I think Warsham is – Man, I I don't want to be too harsh, but like I just don't see a clear path to playing time for Gazalen Warsham. Um, Auburn needs wide receiver help, but like I think, you know, Warsham isn't a guy that's gonna come in and start right away. And so the future of the wide receiver position, guys like Jay Fair and Amari Kelly, Cam DeBratt, I I think those guys are solid for the future of it.
2: <clears throat>
3: it's like I don't really know how much I don't know how much um Warsham really offers the future of the position. Um, So I'd give it a C. I think it passes. I think it gives you depth, which is probably what you wanted with that signing. With upside, I think it's a lottery ticket. Um, And then McDonald, I'd give it an A. I think you got a chance to pick up a a SEC caliber starting safety.
1: Talking to Zach Blackerby of Locked On Auburn and Auburn Daily, and now looking at the transfer portal for Auburn as a whole, what they've done in the past few months... Would you consider it to be successful with the guys that Auburn has brought in, or is there an area where you think maybe they could have done a little bit better?
3: I mean, so you got seven guys, right? Seven guys. you got the two quarterbacks, and so obviously you can't play both of those guys. So really six is what we're talking about. Um, Jacob, do you think that Zaylen Warsham's going to play in 22? Do you think he plays for Auburn? Uh, I don't, know. Okay. Do you think Eugene Asante does, the linebacker from North Carolina? Mm, maybe. Maybe think he's a reserve role right i think it'd be owen and cam riley he may rotate in play special teams um jason jones i think he's got a chance to either be a starter or rotate in with marquise burke so there's value there dj james could possibly start and then you know zach calzada has got a chance to be our starting quarterback so what five starters plus some rotational guys Uh, yeah i think auburn gets better through the transfer portal now the question is you know what's the upside and the fact that Auburn has a chance to get a quarterback that's going to be better than what they had a season ago, I think that's really what it comes down to, right? Can Zach Calzada be a, the quarterback that I think this coaching staff wants him to be? That's that to me is what it's all going to come down to.
1: And Zach, when you look at, or, <laughs> I was saying Zach, yeah, but you know, you look at it as as you know Auburn going to get guys from the portal to kind of fill in some holes on their roster, how can Auburn continue to be successful in the future but not rely on it instead of recruiting?
3: I think you're going to have to rely on it. and I think it's more valuable than than recruiting, Um, which is going to upset some people, but I just think that's the world of college football that we're in. I mean, think about all the big names that entered the portal at the end of last year when the season was over. And if Auburn could have just gotten some of those guys, and sadly they didn't, um, the biggest thing they got was that Calzada. And the only reason he was a starter is because a and starter got hurt last year. And then obviously he went on and, and beat Alabama, which elevated kind of the value of his name. But that's kind of it. I mean, the average Auburn fan didn't know who any of these guys were a season ago. Heck, even maybe a few weeks ago when you talk about DeFaylon Warsham and Craig McDonald. Um, so you got to figure out how to win those big battles early on. And I don't know if some of that is recruiting. I don't know if some of that is, you know, you guys got to hope that you were part of their recruitment battle, you know, when they were coming out of high school. And so you already have kind of some familiarity with the coaching staff or is it NIL related. Um, I mean, and it's going to vary from kid to kid, but I I don't think there's ever going to be an age of this new era of college football, Jacob, where you don't rely on the transfer portal this time of the year.
1: Talking to Zach Blackerby of Locked On Auburn and Auburn Daily. Looking more at Auburn football as a whole, some of the betting lines have come out over the last week or so of favorites to win the SEC and the SEC West. And like we would assume, Auburn is near the bottom of the list, uh, depending on where you look at. You know, I've seen Auburn being picked seventh out of eighth in the SEC West, 10 or ninth out of the entire SEC. Uh, is that somewhere, you know, is that where you would put Auburn right now, given all of the question marks of this team?
3: Yeah. So, you know, at Locked on Auburn, we use Bet Online. That is our official sports book. And they have Auburn at 66 to 1 odds to win the SEC, which, that in a nutshell, seems fine to me. But you look at the teams in front of one, they're tied with Arkansas. Which is fascinating to me because Arkansas plays at Jordan-Hare Stadium, so it's like if they're tied, like, you must think Arkansas is actually better because that's a tougher road for them. Um, but also like Ole Miss is ahead of Auburn in the odds, which is weird. I think we're all just kind of collectively agreeing that Ole Miss is good, even though uh, they just had their best season like arguably ever. And we're supposed to just believe that after they lose everything, they're going to repeat that. That's weird to me. <laughs> Um, and then, you know, Florida's up there as well. Their path is easier because they're in the east. But, um, I, you know, I, I think uh, then LSU is ahead of Auburn as well, which I think is crazy. I think it's crazy. I mean, they don't even know, like, the names of the guys on their team. They're, they're thinking they're going to, like, pull together a really cool season. So um, I, I think Auburn is underrated and all of this. I do not think Auburn's going to win the SEC, but I do think Auburn has a chance to be better than Arkansas, LSU, and Ole Miss. And if they can do that, uh, that may – Might make them a top-25 team, Jacob.
1: And so looking at the rest of the teams, as you were kind of breaking it down, outside of Alabama and Georgia, who are obviously your top-heavy favorites to win the SEC, what's another team, as of right now, in the middle of May, that you would pick to be up near the top to win the SEC? Oh, gosh. Do I have to pick one
3: (laughs) outside of (laughs) Bama and Georgia? I guess I would go with uh, the number 3 team across the board, Texas A&M, just because I think they have a chance. Um, they play in Tuscaloosa, though right, so that 's going to be tough for them to kind of overcome that, but I guess I would say Texas them just because of the talent and hey, maybe you know Kirby Smart finally broke the streak of being able to you know or I guess Jimbo broke it right with the the streak of saving assistant finally beating him, maybe yep. he can do it again um but yeah, if it 's somebody outside of Alabama and Georgia, that would be uh That'd be crazy. That'd be a really exciting season in the SEC.
1: Well, no doubt. And I think we're going to see those odds change a little bit more. I agree with you. I think Arkansas is kind of, you know, them being right there with Auburn. I don't know exactly what to think about this Arkansas team. They have some hype on some, te- on some levels. I think they should have some more. But as, the, as you know, the SEC, it can get crazy in all levels of sports. But, Zach, we appreciate you and your time. As always, let everybody know where they can keep up with you and all of your work across all your platforms.
3: Yeah, just search Locked on Auburn. Wherever you consume media, we'll be there. Or go to auburndaily.com to check out all of our written work about Auburn uh, through Sports Illustrated's coverage. Or uh, I'm on Twitter, at Z Blackerby. Always fun chatting with you, Jacob.
1: Zach, we appreciate your time, man. I'll talk to you later. Hey, sounds good, bud. That was Zach Blackerby of Locked On Auburn and Auburn Daily. Make sure you go check out all of their great work. Uh, he puts out the podcast every single day talking about what's going on around the world of sports in Auburn. And then Auburn Daily, they put out articles, uh, I, I think, every day as well to to just, again, update you on what's going on around Auburn athletics. But that was Zach Blackerby of Locked On Auburn and Auburn Daily. Look, he gave the grade of some of the transfers that Auburn has brought in over the past couple of months. You've got a couple like he like he said, you've got a couple quarterbacks. You have, you know, does Alain Worsham the or Worsham, however you pronounce it, you know, it, it's you know that sounded that sounded wrong, but it's Worsham, you know. So however you, you know, correctly pronounce his name, I don't know if he's really going to be that much of an impact player. You know, I've said i said that down the road he could become that player, but this year I don't see it happening. I agree with Zach. I don't see it happening. But again, down the road, I said he was a player that you can work on and mold into the player that you want him to be. Now, you heard how excited he was about Craig McDonald. The more he looks into him, the more he likes him. I'm kind of on the same page. I think he can be a great player. If you haven't watched some of the film on Craig McDonald, the Iowa State safety transfer, I highly recommend that you do. He's a good player, and I think he can only get better here at Auburn. And I talked about how he can be the perfect experiment for Auburn in the transfer portal. He can be the perfect experiment because he's a good player coming in. He's good. He's not great. He's not outstanding. He's not just blow you away good but he's got some skills and he has experience what you can do with a player like that is say okay let's see what you're good at let's build on that and here's how we're going to make you effective in our system here's how we're going to make you good for my defense if you're the defensive staff coaching staff for Auburn I think it's a fantastic pickup I think it's a very exciting pickup if you're not excited about it you should be you should be because People are starting to get hyped up a little bit about this guy, Craig McDonald. They all have immediate eligibility, the ones that I talked about, including him. I think he's going to play. Again, I don't see him being the starter day one, but I could see him becoming the starter later in the year or really having significant minutes. He doesn't have to be a starter to have you know, significant impact and significant minutes on this defense. He doesn't have to be a starter to do that. Can he be a starter? Yeah, Absolutely. But he doesn't have to be right now. Doesn't have to be. But as Zach talked about, the safety jobs are not completely full. They're not completely set in stone. So you never truly know. But talking to, you know, you know, just talking about and wrapping up the entire conversation about has Auburn been successful in the transfer portal? Yes, they have. They have absolutely been successful. Whether you think so or not, that's up to you. Whether you are, you know, you would have rather seen some other position groups or better players, that's up to you. But Auburn has been successful in the transfer portal. You've got your starting quarterback in Zach Calzada, who I I, I firmly believe will be your starter. You've got a guy in Craig McDonald who's going to be a fantastic safety. I think he's going to get increased minutes as the year goes on. You've got Jason Jones at the defensive line who. Could be a starter, but will definitely get some secondary reps for sure. I think Auburn's done a fantastic job. And given the circumstances, I think they've done even better. They've gone above and beyond what people said they would do so far in the portal. Now it's time to continue to hit the recruiting trail, get guys out of high school. And then you've got to start working with these guys. Yes, it's summer. Brian Harsin talked about a lot of the summer workouts and the eating habits that this team is going to be doing. Uh, that was an article on Auburn Daily. Go find that. That was a really good, really good article, some of the quotes that he gave. And um, look, he's got some plans for this team. You've got some dudes from the portal. Work with them. Get them ready to go. And in 109 days, let's see what you can do. Because at the end of the day, what's it come down to? Can you win football games? That's what it comes down to. Can you win football games? If you can do that, good things are going to happen. Let's head to our final break here in hour number one. If you want to call in be a part of the show, I'd love to hear from you. If you have a comment about any of this, give me a call. I'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Let's head to our final break of hour number one. You're listening to the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports, Central Alabama. Jacob Goins wrapping up hour number one with you of the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Big thanks to Zach Blackerby of Locked On Auburn and Auburn Daily. Just got off the phone with him talking about Auburn football and the transfer portal, Uh, what to expect from Craig McDonald, the Iowa State safety transfer, and ultimately uh, what to expect from Auburn's transfers that they picked up so far. And we talked about some of the betting odds for the SEC champion. So if you missed any of that, make sure you go and find the podcast. Just search On The Line wherever you get your podcast. I've got a few more minutes before we get out of here for hour number one. If you want to call in, be a part of the show. I'd love to hear from you. 321 1390. But to wrap up hour number one, uh, we started off the show. We had a caller call in and talk about the cancellation of Sunday's Auburn baseball game and how it was considered a no contest and whether that you know how that hurt Auburn and Alabama too, and it did. It, it did hurt both teams because Alabama's looking for wins to get to Hoover. Auburn's looking for wins to get a top four seed in Hoover and to host a regional. But besides that, you got to move on. Can't can't dwell on it because at this point, there's really nothing you can do. They're not making it up. It is not going to happen. That game is over with. But Auburn baseball has a game against Sanford tonight. They play in Hoover tonight against Samford. That game, I believe it is at 6 o'clock. It is 6 o'clock against Samford and Hoover at the Hoover Met. So Auburn with their final midweek game of the regular season, their final midweek non-conference game, if you will, of the regular season. Auburn sits at 35-16, and 15-11 overall in the conference. Obviously, this is a non-conference game, but when you look at a game like this, You're looking at Auburn's RPI and their strength of schedule and stuff like that. The numbers that committee will look at when Auburn is being considered to host a regional. And this is a game for Auburn baseball tonight that you got to win. You got to win. You've done really, really good in your midweek games. I think they've only lost but one. Or, excuse me, they've won every game but one. I said that the wrong way. They have only lost one midweek game. There we go. They've only lost one midweek game. And so if you're Auburn baseball, don't stop now. Don't stop now. You've got a Sanford team that you've already beaten once. You've got a couple of players on your team. This is their old squad. That guy that can hit the baseball somewhat decent, uh, Sunny DeShera. Yeah, he played for Sanford. This is a guy and a team in Auburn that is much better than Sanford. So go up there and prove it tonight. Get it done tonight in Hoover at the Hoover Met. Hopefully some Auburn fans show up and show out uh, for that game as they play up near Birmingham. And again, if you're Auburn, this is a game you want to win. You want to add this to your resume because you don't want to lose this game because right here at the end of the season, you're trying to build some momentum, especially going into a big-time Kentucky series on the road this weekend. Just take care of business tonight. You're the better team. Try not to get anybody hurt. You don't want to overuse anybody. It's the same story every week during these non-conference midweek games. But this one's is this one got a little bit more oomph to it because it's the final one. And this is a big game for momentum-wise, for mindset-wise, and mentality-wise for Auburn. If they lose, no, it's not the end of the world. But if you can win, that's a great addition to your resume Auburn baseball playing Sanford tonight they head to Lexington this weekend against Kentucky trying to be top four in Hoover and trying to host a regional for Auburn baseball hour one officially in the book stay tuned hour two coming up you're listening to on the line
0: you are on the line Live on ESPN 1067 in Auburn and Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. Online on Fox Sports 983.com and ESPNAU.com. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502.
1: You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central, Alabama. Jacob Goins with you on the Tuesday edition of the show. Hour number one officially in the books. You know what that means. Hour number two officially underway here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central, Alabama on 98.3 up through Birmingham and Sylacauga. Happy Tuesday. Hope you're all doing well. No matter where you're listening, in the auburn opelika area, Birmingham, Sylacauga, across the state and across the country, hope you're all doing well on this beautiful Tuesday afternoon. Sun is shining, some clouds in the sky, but it's a beautiful day yet again here in the auburn opelika area. Happy to be here, blessed to be here. Hope you are as well. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Tuesday edition of On The Line. If you missed any of our number one, you can find the podcast, just search on the line, wherever you get your podcast. It'll be uploaded immediately following today's show. So if you missed any of our number one, we talked to Zach Blackerby of Locked On Auburn and Auburn Daily. If you missed any of that conversation or anything else from hour number one, you can find the podcast, just search on the line, wherever you get your podcast If you want to call in, be a part of the show, I'd love to hear from you. Give me a call, 334-321-1390, or toll-free at 888-382-7502. Those are the numbers to put you through to me. You can call in, give me your thoughts, opinions, questions about anything going on in the sports world. I'd love to hear from you. Call in, be a part of the show. Again, 334-321-1390. We'll start hour number two, like we always do, with our making headlines. Headline number one, Auburn baseball will play Sanford tonight, of course, coming off the series victory over Alabama. They technically swept. Uh, They they won two games, and they didn't lose any. They went 2-0, so sounds like a sweep to me. They win the Friday and Saturday game. Of course, on Sunday, the game was considered a no contest. They got through about four innings And in the fifth inning, of course, Auburn had the bases loaded. Game was tied at one, and Lightning was in the area. The game got delayed, delayed, delayed. And then the ruling of not being able to restart the game after 7 o'clock, that came into effect. And the game was considered a no contest. Alabama went home, the fans went home, and so did Auburn. And nobody won, nobody lost. So Auburn coming off a... Two-two uh, nothing series victory against Alabama. They have Sanford tonight and, uh, up in Hoover. They play at the Hoover Met tonight against Sanford. Auburn's final midweek non-conference game. And look, it's simple. If you're Auburn, take care of business. That's all you got to do. Take care of business. Get the job done, and build some more momentum as you head to Kentucky this weekend. Uh, they will probably head up there tomorrow because their first game is on Thursday. Uh, it's a Thursday-Friday-Saturday series against Kentucky on the road this weekend, and those are wins that Auburn baseball needs to get as well. But you can't look you can't look ahead to Kentucky until you take care of business against the Sanford team tonight that you've already beaten once. You've got some guys on your team that used to play at Sanford, one of them being Sonny DeShera, so... Show them why you are better than them because if you're Auburn, you are. Auburn is better than the Sanford team. This is a game that Auburn should win. They will get to come home right after the game tonight. So hopefully Auburn can go up, take care of business, build some momentum, give some guys some more reps, but not have to use too many guys. Hopefully nobody gets injured. All of that, the same routine as we talk about for every midweek non-conference game. That's what you're looking for from Auburn baseball tonight as they take on Sanford in Hoover at the Hoover Met at 6 o'clock tonight, of course, before they hit the road and will travel up to Lexington, Kentucky and take on the Wildcats, which will be a fantastic series, a series that Auburn should win for sure, should definitely win, and they need the wins for their resume. But again, Auburn baseball on the road in Hoover tonight to take on Sanford. Moving on with making headlines, the NBA playoffs back underway starting tonight. And if you haven't heard me make the announcement, if you haven't seen the announcement on our ESPN 1067 social media pages, we will be carrying the Eastern and the Western Conference Finals, right here on ESPN 106.7. So, as of right now, we have games one through four. Uh, obviously, you got to wait until more games are scheduled if they are necessary. I'm sure we will carry those as well, but I will keep you updated. But as of right now, we have games one through four of the Eastern and the Western Conference Finals right here on ESPN 1067. So if you like to listen to the radio broadcast, if you're going to be in the car and looking for something to listen to, turn on the NBA playoffs. It's the Eastern Conference Finals and the Western Conference Finals right here on ESPN 1067. Starting tonight with the Boston Celtics at the Miami Heat, game one of the Eastern Conference Finals. That game is uh, It'll tip off at 7.30, but tune in right here at 7 o'clock for the pregame and all of that good stuff. But game one tonight, Boston at Miami for the Eastern Conference Finals. And, man, what a fantastic series this is going to be. This is what was destined in the East. The Miami Heat are the one seed. The Boston Celtics are the two seed. I picked Boston to come out of the East. I also picked Boston to win the NBA championship once the playoffs started and it took them seven games to beat milwaukee miami's been off for a few days now because they won their series in six games against philadelphia they didn't have to play that game seven boston did and that was on sunday so boston quick turnaround brand new opponent in the miami heat should be a fantastic series i think tonight's a crucial game it's game one right It's crucial in every series. Game one in Miami. As it stands right now, the Heat are two and a half point favorites. Total is 203 and a half. Look, Miami's favored by three points. Two and a half, if you will. I don't really know. I think Boston wins this series, and here's why. Their defense is elite. Their defense is elite. I think their offense is good enough to get them through. And when you look at... Why they had to go to seven games against Milwaukee, it's because of a guy named Giannis. That is what happened in that series. But even with him going off and doing his thing every single game, Milwaukee still could not get it done. They couldn't get it done. And when you look at this Miami Heat team, they have a lot of spread around talent, but they don't have that dude like a Giannis. They don't. They don't have that type of player. They have a lot of really, really good players, though. Kyle Lowry, Victor Oladipo, Tyler Hero, Jimmy Butler, P.J. Tucker, Duncan Robinson, Bam Adebayo, those types of players, right? Kyle Lowry is hurt. Not sure if he's 100% back. I know he's hurt right now, so he may not even be back yet. I'm not 100%, so don't take my word on that. But none of those guys are a Giannis. I think that's why the Boston Celtics are going to win tonight and this series. Well, maybe not tonight. I'm not 100% sure on tonight. But I like Boston to win the series because they match up really well, and I think Boston's defense will carry them. Their offense is good enough. I like their defense to carry them. My pick is the Boston Celtics to go to the NBA Finals out of the East. But game one against the Miami Heat, Tonight, 7 30. Tune in at 7 o'clock right here on ESPN 1067, and you can catch that game live right here on our station. Excited that we get to do that and bring you that ESPN national coverage right here in the Auburn Opelika area. Moving on with making headlines for all you golf fans out there the PGA Championship is underway. It'll be starting this week on Thursday. The, The pairings are out, the pairings are set. And, oh, my goodness, there are some fantastic pairings this weekend. Of course, the PGA Championship, one of the four majors in golf. This will be the second one of the year, the Masters being the first one. This will be the second one, the PGA Championship. And I think it's going to be a fantastic weekend of golf starting on Thursday. You look at some of the pairings, and, I mean, there's everybody's there. It's one of the four majors in golf, and... Everybody's there. And so you start looking at some of the pairings of some of the biggest names in golf. It'll get underway on Thursday morning, early Thursday morning. And let's see, trying to get some of the uh, big pairings for you. You got Hideki Matsuyama, Xander Shoffley, and Tony Finau. That's a big-time pairing. You've got Bryce Adichambeau and Max Hama. They're in one. Matt Kuchar, Cam Davis, they're in a pairing together. You've got... Jordan Speeth, Here, here's the big one. Are you ready? Here's the biggest pairing of Thursday, Friday. Teeing off at 8-11 in the morning on Thursday. Jordan Speith, Rory McElroy, and Tiger Woods. Let me say that again. Jordan Speith, Rory McElroy, and Tiger Woods. Three of the generation in the, the game's best golfers, all in the same grouping on Thursday and Friday. Folks, if you're looking for a reason to call in to work Thursday and Friday, that's your reason right there. Call in, tell them, hey, I'm sick, I can't come in, sorry, and watch golf because that pairing is going to be unbelievable. Or if you can't pull that off, have it on your computer. <laughs> I promise you're going to want to watch those guys play. But the big news coming out of – oh, here's another one. Patrick Reed, Justin Rose, Bubba Watson, that's a fantastic pairing as well. The biggest news coming out of the PGA Championship this week – is Phil Mickelson not being there? If you're unfamiliar with the Phil Mickelson situation and the Phil Mickelson issues and, and everything going on with the PGA championship, I'm not going to dive into it because it is a lot. But basically, there's another league or two that's coming out and trying to rival the PGA. And he basically, you know, and again, this is not everything. So don't just take exactly what I say and run with it. But. He basically came out and showed support and the PGA said, no, we don't like that. And now there's a lot of bad blood between Phil Mickelson and the PGA and he is not there this week. And remember, he won it last year. He won the PGA championship last year and he's not going to be back to be in the ceremony or to try to defend his title or anything. And some of the golfers have come out and said, That's really tough, and that's really an unfortunate situation that Phil Mickelson can't be here. One of the best golfers to ever play the game. One of the most popular golfers to ever play the game. The reigning PGA champion, and he's not going to be there. That's unfortunate, but... There's a lot of details in that whole situation. What I said was about a a 16th of what actually happened. So if you're unfamiliar with it, I highly suggest you go and read it and figure out everything for yourself because there is a lot of information to to dive in on that whole situation. So it's unfortunate that Phil Mickelson will not be there, but still some great golf, some great pairings this year at the PGA Championship. It's at Southern Hills Championship Golf Course and... Look, lot, lots of, of great golf is going to be played this year. It's going, to be, it's going to be awesome. Starting Thursday morning all the way through Sunday, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's in Tulsa, Oklahoma, one of the best, nicest golf courses you'll ever see. So the PGA Championship getting underway. Thursday morning, the biggest pairing, Jordan Spieth, Rory McIlroy, and Tiger Woods. If you're a golf fan, That is a dream come true to watch those three play golf together. So enjoy it while you have it. Moving on with making headlines and kind of what I want to talk about here for the next few minutes. There's been some conversation in the college football world. Excuse me, I had to, I had to clear my throat real quick. Sorry about that. There's been some conversation in the college football world about neutral site games Right, You know what I'm talking about. Games that are played in Atlanta, and games that are played in Dallas, and games that are played in wherever. Those are the big ones. They either play in Dallas or they play in Atlanta at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome, right? Those types of games that kick off the college football season. For example, this year, Georgia-Oregon, that's a huge game playing in neutral site. Quote-unquote, it's being played in Georgia, just not at Georgia, Right? Those types of games that they always have. They have those games every year. The neutral site college football games. The big time matchups. But yet, they put them in in random places. They put them at neutral site, quote unquote, where you can't get a fan or a home fan atmosphere. Atmosphere, excuse me. You can't get the, the college town feel of a big game like that. That's a problem to me. That's a problem. And here's why there's a couple of reasons. I want to read off some of the 2022 like neutral site games that are on the schedule for college football this year, because there's some big ones and I think they would be better played at an actual school, right? I think those would be better. Oregon and Georgia, the Chick-fil-A kickoff game, the game that Auburn has played in quite a few times. That's at the Mercedes Benz stadium in Atlanta. You've got Florida State and LSU on Sunday night, September fourth. That's being played down in New Orleans. So again, it's technically neutral site, but they're playing in the state of Louisiana. Why not go and play at LSU? Clemson at Georgia Tech. That's at Atlanta on September fifth. I don't. I mean, that just doesn't make any sense to me. Cincinnati. Oh, that's a. That's a different one. Uh, Arkansas, Texas A and M. They play that one in Arlington, and. You know, the Florida-Georgia game is always a neutral site, but really the big one that I'm looking at is the Oregon-Georgia and Georgia game. That game should be played on campuses. That should be played at home stadiums, home fields. And there's, some, there's a couple of things I want to talk about with this subject. Why do we have neutral site games? What's the reasoning behind that? Who does it benefit? Does it benefit the schools? Does it benefit... The NCAA? Does it benefit the the stadiums? We're gonna talk about that as well. Why not do just home and homes? Why do you have to have neutral side games? Both teams have to travel to some, you know, quote unquote middle location. The fans have to travel to some other location. Why not do a home and home? And then, you know, at the end of the day, what's the best way to do it? And let's highlight some of the games that would be better if they were home and home rather than a neutral site let's take a break we'll come back and we'll start talking about this conversation what's your opinion about neutral site games in college football do you like them should they be home and home should they just be abolished altogether what's your opinion about neutral site games give me a call 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502 I'm going to give you my take when we come back you're listening to the Tuesday edition of on the line Welcome back into On The Line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central, Alabama. Jacob Goins with you on the Tuesday edition of the show. Hope you're all doing well on this Tuesday afternoon. Sun is shining. It's a beautiful day. I appreciate you tuning in to the Tuesday edition of On The Line. If you missed any of today's show, just search On The Line wherever you get your podcast. I introduced the topic of Neutral site college football games before we headed to the break. And, look, when you look at the college football season, every year there's always a couple neutral site games that, that stick out and they're big-time matchups and they're played in Dallas or in New Orleans or in Atlanta. And, you know, you can tell that there is a, a difference in the energy of around the game, right? And inside the game with the fans. Let's just be honest. The games that are played at the school are a lot better than the games that are played neutral site. Remember when Ohio State and Oregon played and Oregon had to go to Ohio State and they beat them, right? Those types of games are cool. The biggest one that sticks out to me, Auburn and Penn State. Right, Last year, when Auburn traveled to Penn State, I was at that game. I made the trip, went to Penn State, and that was one of the coolest atmospheres I've ever been a part of. I've never gone to a neutral site type of game. I've never gone. Auburn's played in a bunch of them to open up the season. They play teams you know like Louisville and North Carolina and teams like that. I've never gone to those because they don't seem that exciting to me. They're boring to watch on TV. The game itself is good normally, but the atmosphere part of it is just eh. It's just boring in my opinion. But the games that, you know, the big teams travel home and home, Auburn's game at Penn State last year was a blast, was an absolute blast. I'm sure it was cool to watch on TV, but being there was even cooler. And now Auburn gets to have Penn State come to the Plains. How cool is that? Versus, Auburn travels to Atlanta to play Penn State to open the year. No, that's boring. Nobody cares. Nobody wants to do that. There's a couple of ways to look at this conversation. Again, why do we have neutral site games? Well, it seems like we've always had them, right? Seems like we've always had those big neutral site games to open up the year. Alabama and Florida State. Alabama-USC. Auburn-Oregon, right? Those types of games... To open up the year. Seems like we've always had them. But the main reason has got to be the money part of it. There's money to be made. For the stadiums. For the cities. And it, it quote unquote works out easier I guess. For everybody just to travel. To one location. Rather than half the people travel to another location. I'm not too sure. But why do we have neutral site games? I just don't see the benefit of it. I don't. I don't see the benefit of having neutral side games. I really don't. Who does it benefit? TV and the venues, I think. I think that's who it benefits because it doesn't benefit the schools because they're losing out on all of the money. It doesn't benefit the cities that the schools are in. Take, take the, the Oregon-Georgia game this year. Neither team is going to be in Eugene. Neither team's going to be in Athens, so those cities lose out on all of that money. The stadiums for the colleges lose out on all that money, and they're traveling to Atlanta. Why not go to Georgia? You're right there. You're in the same state, and then next year, travel out to Oregon. I think that's really cool. I like how Auburn and Penn State have done it, and Auburn's got a couple more coming up. Auburn has a couple more coming up. I think Auburn has Cal on the schedule in the next few years, if I'm not mistaken, I think Auburn has Cal on the schedule for home and homes, not just a neutral site, but home and homes. So those types of games are exciting because I want to see it benefit the schools and the fans and the teams rather than some big stadium in downtown Atlanta. Do home and home series for a couple of reasons. It's better for the schools. Like I said, they're going to make their money and It's a great atmosphere. It's a great experience for the fans, for the teams, for the visiting and the home teams. Especially when you bring in a a team that you don't get to play very often. Again, Auburn and Penn State. Auburn has never gone to Penn State, I don't think. And who knows when they will go back. That's why I went. Those are once-in-a-lifetime experiences. To go and watch your team, whoever it may be, go play at another school where they literally may never play there in your lifetime again. I mean, that's a possibility. It gives that opportunity for fans and for teams, coaches, players, to have those experiences. And when you do neutral site, everybody has to travel. Everybody. Why not make that and cut that in half? Why not give the the fans a chance to experience different stadiums? Why not give the fans the chance to experience different college towns? Nobody wants to go to Atlanta to watch a neutral site game in Mercedes-Benz Stadium again, right? We've had this same story for 10 years. Let's go to a new school and play somewhere else. Let's go to a new town, a new college town, and experience what a road game is like, a true road game. I think it benefits the teams, too, if you do home-and-home. They get the chance to experience true, tough road games. Neutral site doesn't help anybody. Because half the fans are one and half the fans are the other. Sometimes you get a quote-unquote road game like the Oregon-Georgia game. It'll probably be a road game for Oregon. Let's just be honest. The game's being played in Atlanta. But that's not like playing over at Athens. There's a big difference. A big, big difference. It hurts the students. They don't get to go. They only get a limited amount of tickets to those games. There's so many downsides to neutral site games that home and homes just make so much more sense you get more fans it's better tv and it's better experiences and you get games like auburn penn state you get those types of games because auburn went to penn state last year it was one of the best games of the year penn state comes to auburn this year i think the atmosphere will be just as good if not better you don't get that in neutral side in dallas Let's take a break. We'll come back the last 30 minutes of the Tuesday edition of On The Line. Stay tuned. Welcome back into On The Line here on ESPN 1067 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins with you on the Tuesday edition of the show. 30 more minutes left in hour number two. If you missed any of today's show, make sure you find the podcast. Just search On The Line. Wherever you get your podcast, it'll be uploaded immediately following today's show. If you want to call in... Be a part of the program, be a part of the show, and talk to me. I'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. Anything on your mind in the sports world you could call in and uh, give me your opinion, ask me questions, anything you want to talk about related to sports, I would love to hear from you. 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. Mr. Joe Lenardi of the ESPN College Basketball World, he updated his bracketology. Sorry, that sounded like I was going to introduce him to come on the show, didn't it? Now nah, I definitely don't have Joe Lenardi coming on the show. That'd be pretty cool, though. That would be cool. But anyway, Joe Lenardi of ESPN updated his Bracketology on the ESPN website and look I know it is May 17th and I know we've got a long way to go until March but it is interesting to see and look what his updates are given you know commitments and transfer portal stuff and all of that so it's interesting to look and see what his updates are to his Bracketology and remember Joe Lenardi does Bracketology based off of what he thinks the committee will do. This is not Joe Lenardi's projections. This is not ESPN's projections. He has a science that he he has a formula, basically, to where he fills out the bracket and gives his predictions for what he thinks the committee will do come March. So that's what you have to remember, is this is not his opinions or his picks. This is just what... He thinks the committee would do if it were right now, which obviously it's still May. We've got a long way to go, but it's still interesting to look at. So let's dive into it a little bit and take a look at what the updated college basketball bracketology is. Uh, We'll talk about who the number one seeds are as of right now, who the number one overall team in bracketology is. We'll look at the SEC, where some of the teams are stacked up and ranked in bracketology from the southeastern conference how many teams are in from the sec we'll take a look at auburn look at their current ranking and what they need to do to improve on that ranking or if we think that that's kind of an accurate spot and then also the best team right now the number one overall like i said we'll take a look at who that is as well so that's what we're going to talk about here when we are talking about the updated bracketology from ESPN and Joe Lenardi you could call in and give your comments or concerns about that as well if you want to but here we go the top overall seed as of right now this was literally updated today May 17th 2022 at 7 a.m eastern time so he probably worked on it last night and sent it out this morning so as of today this is the 2023 NCAA tournament bracketology from Joe Lenardi. Of course, Kansas coming off the national championship and North Carolina still one of the toughest teams in the country with all of their guys coming back. But the top overall seed as of right now, the Kentucky Wildcats, they are the top overall seed in the bracketology as of right now. And look, they're... They're good, okay? Kentucky's good. They've got a lot of talent, and as of right now, they're the top overall seed. With Oscar Shibwe coming back, that's a major impact on this Kentucky team. Watch out, man. Uh, They're always a threat. We know that. We know what John Calipari and this Kentucky team does. Do not expect them to go out in the first round again next year. That is not going to happen, in my opinion. That's not going to happen. I think Kentucky will bounce back very nicely and and have a really good year, regular season and postseason. But they are the top overall seed out of, uh, out of the SEC. But as of right now, the top overall seed in bracketology. You look at the first team out, the Virginia Tech Hokies. And the last team in, the Florida State Seminoles. So there's your top team, your first one out, and your last one in. And when you look at the number one seeds as of right now, in Joe Lenardi's updated bracketology, Kentucky in the south, Houston in the in the West, North Carolina in the East, and Baylor in the Midwest. So it's spread out from different conferences. You have Kentucky from the SEC. You have Houston from the AAC as of right now. You have North Carolina from the ACC and Baylor from the Big Twelve. The conference breakdowns. Uh, we'll look at that in just a second. But as the number one seeds, will those still be the number one seeds come March? Probably not, but those are a pretty good guess. Kentucky, I'm not sure. I really don't. I'm not sure uh, if if Kentucky will be the top overall seed come March of next year. Will they be a one seed? I'm not too sure either. I think they definitely could be with the talent that they have, but I don't think Houston will be a one seed. I don't think Baylor will be a one seed. North Carolina, though, I think they will be. They brought everybody back. I mean, or almost everybody back did North Carolina from that team that lost in the national championship game. North Carolina is scary good again. And whatever their recruiting ranking is right now, I'm not 100% what that is, but they're going to be really good. And I think Hubert Davis is a fantastic coach. He has done wonders taking over that program from – From Roy Williams, I like North Carolina to be a one-seed come March. Kentucky, maybe. Houston, no, and Baylor, no. So one out of the four, yes. Kentucky, maybe. Houston and Baylor, I don't think so. I don't see them being one-seeds come March. Do I know who that's going to be? Well, obviously not. But I don't think that Houston and Baylor will be one-seeds come March. Looking at the conference breakdown, uh, before we kind of start nitpicking and picking out some teams a little bit, three conferences are tied at the top with seven teams in the bracketology. As of right now, the big 10 has seven. The sec has seven and the big 12 also has seven. So sec has seven teams in as of right now in the updated bracketology. Let's go see uh, what those teams are. Of course, Kentucky has the top overall seed. They are in right now as the top overall seed. And, When you look at some of the other teams from the SEC, uh, let's see, Kentucky is the only one in the South region. They are the only SEC team in the South region. You have Alabama as a five seed as of right now in the West, matched up with Liberty, TCU, and Grand Canyon, so not a horrible draw if you're Alabama as of right now. Tennessee as a three seed, also in the West, so There's three of your seven SEC teams as of right now. Texas A&M, the team that probably should have gotten in this past year and did not, they are an eighth seed right now in the East as it stands in the updated bracketology. Arkansas, who is supposed to be one of the best teams in all of college basketball this year, they have some of the most talent across the board. They brought some guys back. They have the best recruiting class. I mean, they have, I mean, they have three or four guys that are top 20 guys coming out of high school. I mean, Arkansas has just some absolute units on their basketball team. Eric Musselman doing a fantastic job. We know that about Arkansas, and I don't see him being at Arkansas very much longer. I look for him to get a bigger job because look at what he's done at Arkansas. Could you imagine what he could do somewhere else? Right? Could you imagine what Eric Musselman could do somewhere else? So I look for him to get a different job eventually, but at the same time, I mean, heck, he's doing great at Arkansas. Why would you leave? He's pulling talent at Arkansas. He may like it and stay there, but Arkansas as a two-seed right now in the East, matched up with Vermont, Miami, and Ohio State. Again, Arkansas is supposed to be one of the best teams, not just in the SEC, but in all of college basketball. Can they live up to the hype? Can they live up to the hype and not flop? Can they get their young guys to develop at a a fast pace before SEC play and become a real juggernaut in the SEC? I think so, man. I really do. I think Arkansas is going to be really, really good. And looking at the Midwest, you have Florida as a nine seed, and then you have trying to find some more. The last one is Auburn as a five-seed right now in the Midwest. Your Auburn Tigers a five-seed as of right now in the Midwest of the updated bracketology. And look, when you look at those seven teams of the SEC, I like all of them to be in. And when you look at the bubble, Mississippi State is on the bubble from the SEC, and that's about it. I think that's pretty accurate for the SEC schools. I think that's pretty accurate those seven schools will be in, and I think they're going to be in comfortably. I look for those teams to all be good, to have a lot of talent and I think that's a great prediction. Will their seed lines be 100% accurate? No, probably not, but I do like those seven teams to be in the SEC or to be in the NCAA tournament, excuse me. And I look for Kentucky and Arkansas and Tennessee to be at least top 4 seeds, but can Auburn get to that point? Can Auburn improve on their fifth seed prediction as of right now do you agree with that that Auburn is a five seed uh, coming into this year right now with the talent that they are losing but the talent that they are bringing in do you agree with that is that prediction correct as of right now as a five seed for Auburn I want to hear from you three three four three two one thirteen ninety I think as of right now it is I think being a five seed is pretty favorable given the fact that you are losing two guys to the nba one who will be a top three draft pick the other who is uh, a late first round early second round of course jabari smith and walker kessler so i think the five seed is a good prediction it's right there kind of in the middle of of where you want to be between the one and ten seed i don't think you can put them any higher because what type of auburn basketball team are we going to see next year we don't really know just yet we don't know just yet We know there's a lot of talent. We know that Bruce Pearl is a fantastic head coach. But how long is it going to take for this group of of talent to blend together and become a, a, a powerful unit, right? How long is that going to take? We don't know. Will all of the talent pan out? You don't know. So I think a five seed right now is a good prediction for Auburn. It's a good starting point. But how does Auburn improve on that. How does Auburn improve on that 5 seed and become something more? Well, obviously the point guard play has got to get better, not just the point guard play, the guard play has to get better. We've talked about that. The guard play has to get better. And if that can happen and the young guys can blend with the guys that are already on the team at a fast pace, the 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 mark in the schedule that you want to put is by SEC play. The first couple of months are really a growth period, especially for young guys coming in. That is a growth period for this team to blend together, get their talent together, get their minds right, get the offense right. That's the big thing. And by SEC play, you've got to be ready to go. If you can be ready to go by SEC play, you're going to be just fine. But comparing this team coming up this year, compared as they are a five seed right now, compared to the two-seeded team this past year, what can Auburn do better compared to last year's team? Well, there's a couple of things. I think Auburn can actually make adjustments throughout the year and fix the changes and, and fix the problems that they have. That's a big thing because we saw the exact same problems from this Auburn team from about February until they got knocked out in March. I mean, we saw it. And even earlier than that, In mid-January, late January, we saw the exact same problems over and over and over again, and nothing ever changed. And they just kept doing the same thing, hoping it would work. And shocker, it didn't. So I think that's what Auburn can do better. I think Auburn can spread the wealth a little bit more. Auburn can definitely shoot the basketball a little bit better. Those things, you can do better. The things you want to do the same your effort, your defense, your passion, those things are perfect. Auburn doesn't have to fix any of those. But you've got to be able to get out of the second round if you're Auburn, especially if you're high enough as a two seed. That is what Auburn can do better compared to last year. But as of right now, again, I think a five seed is a good prediction. What is Auburn's ceiling though as of right now? I think Auburn can get up to a three or two seed again. I do. I think they can. A one seed is probably pushing it just because, again, we don't know what we're getting. We don't know what we're getting. This is a younger team. This team does not have a Jabari Smith. They don't. They don't have a Jabari Smith. If Auburn had picked up Julian Phillips, maybe. Maybe. But they didn't. And so this team can get up to a two or three seed, but at the same time, I think they could also fall to be a seven or eight seed. So when you look at bracketology as a whole, Kentucky's the highest, the number one overall seed as of right now. Seven teams from the SEC get in. Auburn as a five seed. Here's my here's my prediction as of right now in May. Auburn will be higher than a five seed, and Kentucky is not going to be your top overall seed. Okay, Kentucky's not going to be the top overall seed. I don't even know if Kentucky will be a number one seed in general. Maybe two, maybe three. I don't see Kentucky being a one seed, but I think Auburn's going to be higher than a five. I could see a two, three, or four for Auburn. I don't see them getting to number one, but I could see them being a two, three, or four seed come March. But long way to go on that before we get to a bracket being released for the 2023 college basketball season. Let's head to the break. We'll come back and wrap up the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Stay tuned. You're listening to On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central, Alabama. Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central, Alabama. Jacob Goins wrapping up the Tuesday edition of the show. Make sure you stay tuned after me. It'll be The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Pack right here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 up through Birmingham and Sylacauga. They'll be on from 4 to 6 right here on the same station. So make sure you stay tuned for that. And then tonight also at 7 o'clock, Game 1 of the Eastern Conference Finals between the Boston Celtics and the Miami Heat right here on ESPN 106.7. Make sure you tune in for that Game 1. Boston at Miami of the Eastern Conference Finals. That'll get underway starting at 7 o'clock right here on ESPN 106.7. We're excited to be able to bring you that content. So if you're in the car or you're a radio broadcast fan, uh, make sure you tune in to that. It should be a great game. Should be a great series. We're going to have that and the Western Conference Finals, again, right here on ESPN 106.7. It'll be the Eastern Conference Finals game one tonight, game one of the Western Conference Finals tomorrow night, and they'll alternate every single night. So make sure you tune in every night right here on ESPN 106.7 for the Eastern and Western Conference Finals of the NBA playoffs. Final take for today is about Auburn football and the transfer portal. We started the show with it, and I'm going to end the show with it as well. Auburn football has been very successful in the transfer portal. They have. They've been very successful. They've gotten some really good players. They've gotten players for now, and they've gotten players for the future. That is successful, in my mind. They have gotten players that will be starters. They've gotten players that will get significant minutes. And they've also got players that they can develop to be good players down the road. And given the circumstances that Auburn is in right now, given the state of the program that Auburn is in right now, that's pretty unbelievable to me. That's pretty unbelievable. Auburn has been successful in the transfer portal. Maybe not to everybody's liking. Maybe not to everybody's satisfaction. But Brian Harson and this coaching staff, they've impressed me. They've impressed me. Color me impressed. They have done a fantastic job so far. Recruiting and in the transfer portal. Now what can you do with those players? What can you do with the starters, the impact players, and the future players? That is the next step. That's it for the Tuesday edition of On the Line. We'll be back tomorrow, same time, same place. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.